This is a Main Hustle Media Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Jackie O and you're listening to Militantly Mixed. Yo, this is Rashani from the Single Simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back listening to Militantly Mixed. Main Hustle Media podcasts are recorded on the ancestral lands of the Chumash, Tongva, Hohokam, and Yucateco Maya people, and we wish to pay our respects to the people of those nations, both past and present. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your sir auntie, Charmaine Fury, a.k.a. The Blasian Blurred, and this is episode 13 of the Mixed Auntie Confidential, and I am joined by fellow auntie... Hey, it's Mixed Auntie Teresa, a.k.a. Mixed Auntie Confidential, coming at you. Mm-hmm. Happy June, and we got a lot of goodies for you. Man, there's so much going on this month, Mixed Woo! Multiracial Heritage Month Week that b- neither of us knew about. Okay, can, uh, we, can, we, can we start with this, please? This... <laughs> Can I, okay, so first of all, y'all, um, Sir Auntie Maine made me aware. I consider myself the, a professionally mixed OG, right? I'm saying that apparently, because you know we have to do our research in 2021. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the U.S. government, and I, I suspect it possibly was the Census Bureau because yeah. by 2021 they had counted the data from the 2020 census and said, there's a whole lot of multiracial people. Let's give them a week. Now, Let's give them a whole thing. week. First of, all, first of all, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to accept this week. Let's let's work this out right here and right now. <laughs> okay, for real. Where's my, y'all, hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. First of all, so, one or some of us should have been not only notified, but mm. asked about it. Mm-hmm. You don't just go proclaiming a week all willy and nilly, all right? You right. Just, like that. That's just that just feels colonizing. It feels disrespectful. It feels like something like I'm like, well, did, did I'm sorry. So first of all, I don't I, know who was consulted. Girl, no, nobody. We know nobody. We know. I no, like none of the professionally mixed people out here. I could see anything None. about. In fact. None of the professionally mixed people we know and follow because we're starting to become a group that are like interconnected. Yes. Nobody is posting about this. I I never see. I saw one article when I was researching it in my lovely Google search this morning where some, and I I forget her name, so forgive me, young, um, I think a young mixed woman did a blog about it last year and she was talking about the problems. And she said one problem was it got three hashtags. Like, I mean, so, okay. Oh, so they're not even, we're not even cohesive. In, well, in, no, in other words, nobody knew about it. Right. So, right. So here's the thing. Here's what I'm going to propose, y'all. Okay. No, wait. First of all, here's a couple problems I have with it. And I don't know if this is a problem. So, you, Maine, are going to help me because I'm struggling. I'm struggling. When you first show me the dates, I'm like, but that overlaps Loving Day. That is why I think it landed on this week. Well, I, that's why I think whoever made the decision without us chose this week. I would have said, listen, first of all, for those of us who are mixed black in the U.S., 
we got loving day and a week later we got juneteenth that is a very busy week for us on several levels i'm saying okay yeah so that's the like the almost the worst week of the year you could pick also for those of us who are mixed and queer we are we got loving day if if we're black we got juneteenth if we're queer we got pride month there's a lot happening right now (laughs) yeah so i'm gonna thank you for reminding me of that i'm I'm gonna go ahead and propose we'll come back to with y'all that that we canvas the community Mm. in the next few months maybe as part of militantly mixed fifth year anniversary this year and we canvas the community and we propose a couple weeks and let people vote i'm also a week you know like i get that a lot of the other ones origins start with a week and then work towards a month and stuff like that but like can we get a month can we get a month good point good point okay so agreed handshake high five (laughs) so you know like previously i've tried to make march multiracial heritage month because i like alliteration let's do it and I have done different things in previous years, not this year, because this was my moving year and it was too crazy moving to Mexico year, uh, moving to Mexico in March, <laughs> alliteration. Um, and <laughs> that was an accident. I didn't even realize that till just now. Yes. But, you know, like I and I'm I'm whole hum about these months. Sometimes I really get into I it. Sometimes I don't acknowledge it at all. This was one of the years I didn't really acknowledge it. I would share other people's Black History Month and AAPI stuff and whatever. I also didn't know that AAPI month and Jewish Heritage Month were the same month. I didn't know that I until um, this year. Like, uh, so like there's little things I was like learning along the way. And then I just I've just been kind of exhausted by it because I do think it's I think this is a good example of it. I don't know that the origin of giving us a week came from a mixed person. No, I know the name of the person who signed it in, uh, which now that I don't literally yesterday, I looked this up and saw it. Uh, honorable James or Jim, somebody, Costa, uh, from California. Um, and I don't know anything about, I didn't look it up. I don't, I, you know, full disclosure, I didn't look into him to find out what his deal was or, or why it happened. I don't mind using it. You know, like I'm, I'm a co-lead of the Mixed Queer Club for the CMRX caucus. And we're going to do a um, hybrid mixed queer event, uh, which is a service of community event, virtual event, uh, which is going to be on June 14th because we just found out about it and we needed enough time to put it together and stuff like that. So we're like, it's at the intersection. We'll just go ahead and do it. So I don't mind um, doing it. I would have liked to know which of us were involved. Um, I think it just like, I don't know how many of us were really necessarily, I don't think enough of us were involved in Juneteenth becoming oh, a federal holiday girl that's because... a whole, that's a whole. <laughs> talk about a can of worms because um, i like i know it, i know what its original push was for but yes. i get that but that's separate from what ended up happening which was the fear i had about it becoming i wanted it to be recognized in the way of like this exists so if black people aren't at work on the 19th now you know why thank you that's what i wanted it to be yeah. and wait 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 <laughs> and, and to and to start and we are getting there too and we'll talk about this later of course another time but and I don't want Juneteenth as a federal holiday. I like you very mixed feelings, pun intended, about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want it ever acknowledged or mentioned without reparations. 
being being discussed in a serious way in the same breath. Because to me, if you're not talking about reparations, I don't know what you're doing. And I grew up with it, by the way, y'all in Seattle, migratory patterns were from Louisiana and Texas. So I grew up with it. It was a community festival in the park, black, black, black. It was great especially Seattle, even the black community was, you know, very diverse. So it was a beautiful thing. It, and yeah, I, I have very, but now like white people taking it off just because it is a a federal holiday. Yeah. Like I honestly, and I I said this when it first happened, I said that this should be a day of service for white people. If they take it off from work, I think they should be doing a service in, in the black and brown spaces Yes. Um, not taking over, but listening, shutting up, yes. doing service. Uh, I grew up with Juneteenth as well because my family. Alone. Yeah, just leave us alone. Sorry. Um, I grew up with Juneteenth in California because my family is, you know, Galveston enslaved is our is my family history. They're from Texas. They came over yep. to California, so I was one of the few kids who celebrated it in California. I yeah. was the one teaching other black kids that it existed because they yep. were like, "What you know? What y'all doing?" I've been like going to Juneteenth this weekend. Yep. And uh, and so now that it's more public and the, you know, the black or mixed black kids that I grew up with are learning about it now. I had an interesting conversation with my co-host last year on Blurred Comics where he was like, you know, I didn't even think about it being a celebrate a holiday to celebrate because right. I wasn't from Texas. You know, like he was. From, right. So he was thinking about that part of it as That's being like it's very it. specific yeah. to a particular group of, of enslaved people and fair, like, you know, that's where my family origin is. So I, it's always important to me. I'm, I'm not really celebrating or acknowledging any of the American holidays now that I'm here in the, in Mexico, but Juneteenth is going to be, yes, is going to be my, you know, thing. Cause it's always been my, you know, it's always been, I don't, you know, I know there's a black community here. I don't know if anybody's doing Juneteenth things, but you know, I know what I'm going to do if yes. I don't have community to share it in and stuff. So yeah. that being said, I, I guess I understand how it hit for this week, but yeah, that is a, that is a lot. And I don't want to have to go from, you know, boom, 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 one to the other necessarily. I well, basically, it, it's all sandwiched in. Like we it's only, all sandwiched in. thank you. It's too, much. Lose, it's too much. Right. Right. Exactly. It's like the whole U S metaphor they used to say about a melting pot. Mm-hmm. We, ain't, we ain't trying to do that. But so, I think in the future, maybe we could do some polls and surveys of Mm -hmm. presence and other mixed folks we know and take some time with it and see whether folks want a month or a week and which one what they'd like. And then we could propose it. What do you think? Or yeah, that or we'll just keep doing the things we do. And I'm just declaring when (laughs) in in March, because it's in between Black History Month and and AAPI Month for me, I'm gonna go ahead and take it. Um, But yeah, like, I I think I think we should be involved. Um, We we need to be not just involved, we need to be in the lead in the lead and making the decisions and And making the decisions. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole nother thing. So happy multiracial heritage week in a general generic kind of sense. Woohoo. Yeah. <laughs> and we should, we should revisit this in a context that we, right, yeah, yeah. feel is more appropriate and makes more sense. But it does not make any sense getting all up in between Loving Day and Juneteenth, which is already a squeezy week for some It's already a pretty squeezed week, week. yeah. It's, it, it's, it's wild. <laughs> It's so wild. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah, I get it. It's fine. Um, but it also feels like, yeah, like, thanks for the week. 
you know, like I'm, <laughs> I'm yeah, not ungrateful. I, but... I did not get a ping this morning that I had a direct deposit. However, that's what I'm saying. Like, like um, if, what is this trend? I didn't get an email giving me a free or discounted or BOGO. Right. Or, Right, yeah, like my groceries or my bills, or as a descendant of African enslaved people, I can't change my name legally for free, which I think should be a part of the reparations package. I Um, like that. Oh, okay, okay, go ahead. Yeah, this one's been on my mind for the last couple of years. Um, That's important. That's important. Get rid of that government, yeah, because like if so many of us took the last names of our enslavers. So many of us might be related also to our enslavers, uh, but we aren't family. <laughs> you know, we oh. might be related, but we're not family. And so I should be able under my own power, my own steam to decide what surname I'm going to use if um, if the origins of my surname is enslavement. And mine is so <laughs> that's you know like that's why I changed it. <laughs> but I I would like that to be a free service. Yes, <laughs> don't take such yes. uh, so many. That's loops. something they should. Yes, that's one that yeah. I, I like this. We putting together our platform, y'all. Yeah, yeah, together our platform. So don't give us reparation conversations that are non that there's not an action behind. Don't mm-hmm. don't give it to us and sort of like a see we're talking about it. So that means we don't have to do anything about it. Uh, don't give us Juneteenth as a federal holiday if you're not actively talking about reparations in some way, shape or form. And while I understand that different cities and countries or cities and states are doing it within this country, having these conversations, I don't know what the next steps is. It's not clear that they're going to end with an actual reparation, except for what I've I saw in San Francisco recently. So that seems to be the first test well, of whether or not it's going to be possible. There are different states. I just have something about New York. So yeah, yeah, there are some states doing some things. But again, I'm with you on Juneteenth. And there was an elderly Black woman who had been working her whole life Yeah, to get it passed. And I completely understand her respect. And sure, absolutely. Her, yeah. But it's also like maybe this, the thing we know is this is not... It there's didn't so take much long. For, well, there's so much potential for dilution. Yeah. There's potential for colonization. It didn't take long for that to happen. It was literally the first year it was the federally first, recognized. The first minute. The napkins. It's the yeah. freedom for me. The, yes. you know, like yes. all that yes. kind of yes. stuff happens so right. quickly, which is, I think, different. And I, I wasn't around when it was happening, but I think that was different from Memorial Day, which was created to honor the fallen black soldiers. Created by in- black yeah, created by Black people, the yep. fallen Black soldiers within American wars. And yep. uh, you ask somebody about that today, and they're like, hmm, I didn't know that. It got co-opted. It got co-opted. Because it got co-opted. Listen, all the things you're saying, this is going to be a lot of people, man. All the things you're saying about Juneteenth, I was saying, y'all, out loud, yes, out loud in the 80s, I'm from Seattle, in the 80s, when we were lobbying for an MLK, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., holiday. Mm-hmm. And the first holiday, I had moved to Atlanta and was hanging out at the King Center. That was very profound. But I I said the same thing. I said, white people should have to go to work. And black people, including mixed black people or whatever, however you, whatever, should get the day off. I mean, I'm black and Jewish, right? Bluish. Mm-hmm. And so I grew up, now I grew up in Seattle. My kids grew up in New Jersey, 
where every all schools are closed on all Jewish holidays, which I had to get used to because I still had to go to work. But anyway, <laughs> I had to go to work. Why are you not going? Well, now what am I going to do with you all today? But anyway, um, I grew up in Seattle, so I had the option of getting an excused absence from school on Jewish holidays. Mm. The other students who were not Jewish did not have that option. So I believe right. the MLK holiday and now Juneteenth. Yeah, y'all can be mad at me if you want to, but don't at me because I don't really care. That's yeah. just how I feel. I'm like, you, 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 you dilute and disrespect and dishonor by flattening everything into a lowest common denominator. So it yeah. stops to be, and again, like you said, you and I both grew up in different ways. You have direct familial ties to Galveston and to Juneteenth. Mm-hmm. I don't, but I have, I grew up in a culture and a community where it's just an everyday thing. Mm-hmm. It was literally mm-hmm. just an everyday. When I moved to Atlanta the first time in the eighties, I had to teach and these were learned professionals, sometimes famous black leaders. My girlfriend and I who knew about it had a party. We had a Juneteenth party and we were busy educating folks about what Juneteenth was. Some of them had heard of it vaguely, but they didn't really know. Da, da, da. So again, we have different, we grew up with it in different ways. Like I say, you have a direct, yeah. I don't, but it was part of my culture growing up. So that's why I wanted to have a party when I, yeah. because I was used to it being a, a celebratory, but not celebratory, like woo, 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 with fireworks and all that celebratory with communion. So with community so because we have very specific foods we have you know like there there's lessons in the way we practice the celebration of it which is now gone it's all been i mean i hate not gone yeah well it's been co-opted colonized and stripped of meaning to be capitalized because where are we yeah well where am i you ain't the example, yeah, not me no more. Um, the example that I like to use is when I used to work for Dell, the computer company, um, we had what I refer to as forced volunteer days because <laughs> you had to do it. They were mandatory within your team, but it was also a volunteer day. And I remember asking my boss, I'm like, why do we all have to go? Why can't we just take this day off if it's a, if it's a non-work day? And they're like, because it's a volunteer day. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm not volunteering. You're volunteering me. That's an you know, like I'm getting paid because my day job is paying me. But at the same time, this is not how I would choose necessarily because they would pick a, a charity. They would they would pick something. They were farming. And, you, they were farming you out to make their corporate responsibility statement. Look right. Good. And like, you know, Michael Dell was never at these things. You know, Dick Hunter right. and all these other execs oh. that existed at the time. Yeah, that was his name. That's why I remember it. Um, like all these execs at the time weren't there with us. You know, our teams were there. And they would pick things like my team was one of the most diverse teams because we worked in like custom like front facing positions which tend to always be very diverse positions and so rather than get into a whole thing because we would suggest like let's go help the at-risk youth shelter that we knew was predominantly black or brown or this or that they'd be like oh we don't want to so we would end up doing things like breaking down computer parts for goodwill or some shit like that and i don't want to participate in goodwill as an organization i don't support what they do like they, they Salvation Army, Goodwill, these are not um, good organizations. They don't do what they say their mission is. And I didn't like having to go and break down things for them um, on these forced volunteer days. With that spirit in mind, MLK, Juneteenth, 
These should be forced volunteer days. <laughs> for, the, for the white people. How did you find um, people? But they must for the be forced people. volunteer in service of black people. In service of black people. And again, not to center yourself when you're when you're servicing the black community, but literally shut up and do as you're told. Do as you're told. Like, I mean, it sounds it sounds harsh, but guess what? There was harsher things in the world and I I stand by that feeling. I don't, yep. Um, yep. I don't feel guilty or bad about suggesting it. I think that that is what should happen. So right. when, uh, when, or they could just go to work like they're supposed to, or go to work, yeah. And so when my the, my the last job I had when it became federally recognized, the year before it became federally recognized, I told my boss as a descendant of enslaved Galveston, this day is very important to me. I would like this day off and paid. So it wasn't a federal holiday yet, but people were right. starting to learn about it. And and my boss agreed and let me take the day for, for pay. And I said, but I don't want to be the only one who gets this day. There is 11 of us that are that are black and or mixed black. And I would like that offer to be extended to everybody. Go ahead, girl. I do not know that that happened. Oh. I know I wasn't at work, but you were you know, I know I didn't show up, I wasn't but, I, I, but I told my boss <laughs> that this is an empty gesture if it's only one of us that can go, right? Beautiful, um, beautiful. The That's following cool. year was the first federally recognized year, and um, we got to use it as our chosen floating holiday. So rather than giving us all federally recognized holidays, which was crazy because it was a school and schools always give all federally recognized holidays, yes, yes. what they decided to do was cut it back down to a, um, I forget what the full number of, of the days are, but it was like two less than the full number of all the days. And those two, we could get two floating holidays. So you could use them whenever. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so they're like, so if you want MLK and Juneteenth, you could use your floating holidays for those days. And I'm See, like, bitch, school is closed. So no, like we should just be getting these days off. And um and you know now I work for myself, so I'm, I'm gonna take the day off. But uh, <laughs> but you know the frustration part of that for me was the white people that was like, oh, there's a federal holiday this weekend, and it's like, is it your federal holiday? So my response to them was, oh, you're taking Juneteenth off. What are you going to be doing in service of the black community on Juneteenth then? Right. Because I know you ain't going to the beach. Oh no, they're going to be, you know, like, and I, you know, like I saw, I'm, you know, trying to make them feel guilty, hopefully yes. into doing either coming to work or servicing yeah, just come the to black work. community. Just let the black people be off. Why? Why? That's, yeah. a, that's my, yes. But so anyway, just so you know, I love that yeah. we're as usual on the same page, generations apart, <laughs> but on the same page. And I want y'all to know I was fussing back in the eighties about the first MLK holiday. Okay. Or just like when you see like, a corporation use MLK quote and something oh leading okay. up to a sale. And you're just like, I know that Martin Luther King's dream, I can guarantee no. you that no. Martin Luther King's dream didn't include him selling 40% off computers this weekend. Like, I know that that's not what. And they go do it to Juneteenth too. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen because we're gonna, gonna be like, you're gonna get 15 percent off a red car, a green car, or a black car this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I mean, everything, t-shirts, merch. Like There'll yeah. be everything, everything. Just yeah. and we know this because this is the way of. This is this so, is the way. This is the way of 
white supremacy culture. Uh, but that isn't technically what we were planning on talking about today, but it just ended up happening. Like this shit just happened. Like for people who got uh, three news uh, emails from me last week, um, every week I send out an automatic email to say like the episode's out and here's what the episode's about. Um, but I also ended up sending out the email about the reopening of the be your mix ass self um, submission window. And then after that, I was like, oh shit, this multiracial heritage week thing I just found out about. Maybe nobody knows about it. Maybe I should tell people about it. Uh, and take it for a grain of salt. If you want to acknowledge it, acknowledge it. If it makes you feel happy, enjoy it and participate in it. I do feel mixed about it, um, both as a mixed person and as a, you know, where did this come from and what is what is its yeah. purpose? That, that that's That's the thing. What is the purpose of doing it for us if we weren't involved in the creation of it? If we weren't involved. And again, I'm going to say it again, y'all, for the last time. The timing is janky. And the, the timing, timing suggests so the timing suggests that no mixed person or mixed people, especially, were involved in the decision making or planning. Because any mixed black person would have said, well, you know, that week. Dot, yeah, dot, that, dot. that's a full week for mixed black folks. We already, we already kind yeah. of speed up in there. Like yeah. we don't, we don't need to be adding that. And then also, the thing you and I have talked about before, for those who are so inclined, that could give ammo mm. to mm. the tensions mm. between mixed black folk and black community. Yeah. That could be looked at. Oh, see, look, look at them, look at them, look at them. Just, yeah. you know, so let's space that. it out. <laughs> let's just space it out a little bit um, so that we can acknowledge the full picture of mixedness, which is extremely diverse, obviously, and yes. doesn't always mean mixed with black. Um, it just doesn't mean that in every case. It, it happens to mean it in this room right now <laughs> but, yes. but it doesn't mean it across all of the listeners of militantly mixed people right. who identify as multiracial or mixed you know the whole thing i mean we don't even have a cohesive feeling about how we feel about the words mixed multiracial multi-ethnic what people call themselves you know biracial I mean, triracial yeah we 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 don't have a consensus a consensus no. on that so we you know trying to make it as accessible across the board versus yes no matter what this would be overshadowed by the black things that are happening you know right and then loving time. day isn't just black even though the origins obviously have a uh, yeah sure of course you know um so yes by the way this has nothing to do with me but there's a a mixed author named matt Johnson, Matt with one T, great writer. Um, and he has a satirical novel called Loving Day that came out several years ago. Really good, fun reading. It's about some mixed people who formed their own community, contemporary story. But the best line in the book was he referred to actual Loving Day and he said, you know, Christmas for mulattoes. But anyway, <laughs> Christmas loved that line. It's like Christmas Day from a lot. You know what? I never thought of that. That on Loving Day, I should post my Venmo and Cash App and be like, support your local mix person today. Ooh, that's what I'm like, wait, wait. <laughs> that, is that Monday or Sunday? Twelfth? Is it the twelfth? It's the twelfth, right? So yeah, I think uh, yeah. Oh, so okay, this is good. This airs on Monday. So if you listen to this in the morning. <laughs> Post your Instagram, Cash yes. App, and Venmo and tell people that if they love a mixed person today, 
genius. <laughs> they need genius, to cash up you. Oh, yeah, I'm off the cuff. That's what's off the cuff right there. That's me. That was Using that. My, that's your. That's your genius. That is your my genius. Mixed Christmas is for your- mixed folks. I'm. Yeah, that's hilarious. I've never heard that, but that is hilarious. And I also um, Matt Johnson, loving that. But anyway, let's get into. Yeah, I'm gonna take that. Yeah, with with the next 20 minutes that we have left, <laughs> let's oh. get into. <laughs> Sorry, no, it was no. good. Like this is the, this is the stuff we need to be. People need to hear. The people need to hear about this. Yeah. Uh, so lately, and again, I've said this before, whenever a Mix Auntie Confidential episode comes up, it's usually like, it's not that we don't have a list of shit that we think we're going to make episodes <laughs> about, because we do. We got that we list. We got a list. But what happens is either Teresa or myself will be hit with something out in the world, and it, and then we end up getting into the chat, and we're just like, da 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 And for me, this month, that was the half quarter or percentage based identity that was hitting me so hard lately. And it's such a good topic for the two of us to be talking about, because in the very first conversation that Auntie Teresa and I had, when you came on the show for Swirl Girl, you talked about how you don't do percentages and you had voiced it in a way that I had not like heard or thought about in the way that you said it before. And I know that every time I said half or quarter or this or that, I didn't like it. I know that. And I would just say, I'm, this is what I am. I am black and Japanese, British American, um, or colonizer British or whatever. You know, I would say some shit like that. Um, and, and if it got, if it got to be questioning, that's when I would get down into the percentages and all that other kind of shit like that, whatever. But I never liked it. I, I've never enjoyed chunking myself into these consumable pieces for people and so when you said that to me my life split off there's a point at which I would fall into the percentage conversation for somebody and a point at which I no longer did that and that was the conversation that you and I had so what got me in the last couple weeks was I keep seeing TikToks and or Instagram posts or something like that where someone is addressing the idea of I never say half because of X, Y, Z. I describe myself as black and Jewish because of X, Y, Z. Um, Ryan Alexander Holmes, who I quote all the time, says I am a, I'm both 100 percent black and 100 percent Asian. And you can't take that away from me. Uh, Michael earlier this year said it's doubleness not half and half and so this keeps coming up as we are uh, uh, creating language as we for us as mixed people as we are um, investigating our identities in ways that we previous generations probably didn't get opportunities to do and we're actually being able to do that now across all of the active generations we're learning new ways to describe ourselves and talk about ourselves and a lot of what has been changing is I'm no longer going to use the language that allows you to continue to other me. And in doing so, we drop halves, quarters, quadroons, whatever the fuck percentages. I'm 17% (laughs) this and that or whatever the fuck. But at the same time that we are owning that space, the DNA test, the ancestry.com, the 23andMe is giving people percentages. So people who may or may never have had a mixed identity are starting to like claim a mixed identity through percentages given to them by ancestry.com without understanding fully what is happening when ancestry gives you a percentage. So I kind of want to get into that in, in the two different ways that those conversations should be happening. One is claiming our full picture 
Yes. As mixed people, being our mixed ass selves and saying, I am these, these are the things that make me up. And yep. these are the things I'm identifying with versus I spit into a tube and I found out I'm 17% X, Y, Z. And yes. why that 17% shouldn't be the definer in yes. how you identify. Mind you, if it also does help you claim something that you have been like disenfranchised over or excluded from, mm -hmm. I also understand that. Yes. So we're getting into the whole nuance of yes. it's good and bad. It's yes and no. You can and you cannot. Like all of yes. these things yes. are happening within this conversation. Yes of why we are full, not half and half. Yeah, Especially for me, I'm a tri-racial person, so I'm not half and half. But you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I think I'm told I'm tri-racial, but I'm not sure, but that's all, but we'll get to that. So, yeah. so yes, and you're an MGM, multi-generational mix. Mm -hmm. um, you, you made a really good point. Obviously, I think it's really obvious that so much of this is driven in the last few years just mm -hmm. by the availability and preponderance of DNA testing. Yes. But that but what the DNA testing aligns with and is supportive mm -hmm. is that we have we different groups in different ways, but that remember that our official designations related to the systems and institutions in the government of this country come from the US Census Bureau based on the count they do every 10 years. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that we're we've always been defined by numbers. And again, you know, not to make being part black dominant, but if you if your ancestors, if you're if you're mixed with black and that ancestry comes from enslavement in the United States, that was we have been completely defined by mm -hmm. percentages by all the way down to the one drop, which is now considered, you know, a bad thing. But, mm -hmm. you know. The point is all the way down to if you have one drop of black blood because we were property, because we were capital. And yeah. so we were not human. And so in the United States, blackness specifically, not not only mm -hmm. not exclusively, but specifically has always been defined by numbers, metaphorical or real. Right. Right. Even when there was no DNA testing, even when somebody right. could just look at you and try to a quadroon or an octoroon or a mulatto, I'm not sure. Da, 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 da. Yeah. But so, yeah. So those two things come together where we're our official designations are still data driven mm -hmm. and then the information age are going to be more data driven than ever. And it's really the data driven aspects of it is financial. It is how much money. Yes. Can I withhold or grant yes. based off of these white supremacist uh, categories? Absolutely. And and let's not let's not like I understand the I did the ancestry thing too. I I get the funness of it at the same time the danger of it. But yes. I want you to I want you all to understand that these DNA tests is just a different way of the white supremacist blood quantum, yep. the white supremacist one drop rule. Yep. the white supremacist mulatto like these this Even is just the a black new term. companies are still the model is still the same because the model is global y'all yeah yeah and the so global while they while they may have some benefits for us in tracking things down and and giving us access to things sure. we didn't have access to which is a positive of these things yeah the way or the, I'm going to say quote science in this case, because there's some actual science and then there's the white supremacist science that, that does happen. Mm -hmm. The way in which these things are broken down aren't of 100% a good reflection of what is actually happening. Mm 
uh, for example, if you if you your test comes back with African, it'll be mostly West African. It'll be mostly Bantu. It'll give you every West African country that people were enslaved from. And you'll be like, well, I'm 17 percent Nigerian and 2 percent Mali and this and that or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But what is actually happening is that that's how many people they that's that's the number of people within that genetic code that they have. You know, I don't know what the numbers are now, but four years ago, it was like um, 50,000 or 35,000 markers within the continent. Whereas like the African Ancestry, which is a black owned company, had, you know, multi millions of markers, which is why they could get you down to your villages and your and your actual places right. of origin and stuff like that. So so Ancestry.com itself does not have a lot of examples of the DNA from different um Native American tribal peoples, um, different breakdowns of different parts of Africa and Asia, which is why you can get all kinds of shit down to where your seventh great grandfather was born if they were born in the UK, (laughs) if they were born in England or they were born in the West or something like that. Um, Because my white side is explosion of information on the ancestry. But you don't get as much of that because white supremacy culture does not search for that. And there's also a trust factor involved. Why would I give up my DNA to you if you're going to use it uh, for eugenics reasons or racism or whatever? And they absolutely can use it. And they absolutely can. can So I'm not telling people don't try it. I'm telling people understand what you're trying if you try it. And and I'm putting myself out there, too. I tried it. I I had some curiosity. I did it. Um, I'm interested in aspects of it. I've also mm-hmm. discovered uh, family members that nobody knew about um, through Ancestry, <laughs> which is a whole different benefit. That's, that's um, probably inevitable for most families. I'm, I'm here for the family mess. But, um, yes. you know, like the secret daughter, the secret cousin, I, yes. some of those have popped up on my yeah. roster. I've had conversations. That shit has been fun. Um, sad, but fun. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's that part of it. But I don't want to go too far far into that i want to acknowledge it and stuff because what i really want us to get to is again something else that you gave me a way to talk about this better than i had been talking about it before which is um you have your ethnic mix you have your personal identity and then you have your political identity. And I have been for since the start of this show five years ago, I said I am hierarchically yes. black, then Japanese, then colonizer British and all the other stuff that goes along with my, you know, what my white heritage, um, Appalachian white people and all that kind of stuff like that. I have cultural access to being black and to being Japanese and to being British, essentially. But I don't have access, uh, ac- uh, cultural access access to Appalachian-ness or the fact that my family has been here, uh, the white side of my family has been here since 1711. I still, I don't know those people. I'm related to those people. They're still around. I don't know nary a one of them. So I can't claim it as a part of my personal identity. But what I can say is here is my ethnic mix and my ethnic mix includes them. Yes. Um, and when I get a ancestry.com email, that's like, Hey, I didn't know I was related to any blacks delete because we're not getting into this conversation <laughs> you're not coming to the family reunion boo and if you are Appalachian yes you do know that you were mixed with black folks right. um but that's a right. different story uh so you know like that is the way I expressed what you ended up kind of crystallizing for me which is that what I was expressing there was my personal identity 
Mm-hmm. Um, I was sharing my ethnic identity, but I was giving my personal identity. Absolutely. And then when I would say I vote black, I didn't really think that I was saying that I have a political identity until I started talking to you. And I'm like, oh yeah, I do have a political identity because I, I align with what is the best options possible for my black community when I yes. vote. Yes. So when we're talking about fulls, halves, quarters, quadroons, this and that, or whatever, octoroons, I'm not going to, I'm no longer going to, and haven't for years now, use the terms that make it easier for white supremacists to put me in categories to disenfranchise me. And so guess what you're going to get from me? I'm a black Japanese person. That's what I am. That's what you are. You can say I'm not Japanese enough. You can say I'm not black enough. And and to be frank, in my experience, I know it's different for everybody who's ever been mixed in the world. But my experience is not that I'm not black enough for black people or I'm not Japanese enough for Japanese people. Well, yes, actually, the Japanese, I'll take that back. Yes. (laughs) But it's usually non-black or non-Japanese people telling me I'm not enough of one thing or the other because they're, they're deciding for me how they're going to define me. And that is a hard no for me. And so when I see these videos and I've been seeing a mix of them, I've seen the ones who are telling them, telling people through empowerment. Thank you for this question about how me being half or whatever. That's not what I say. What I say is I am black and Jewish. Uh, What I say is that I'm black and Japanese. What I say and, um, and getting to see people actually do that now is making, is giving me such an uplifting thing because people are owning it. They're owning their identity. And, um, and I'm still talking to people on this show that are like, I don't know. Like even just a couple of weeks ago, Brianna the Blood Witch, she's like, I'm still trying to figure it out because literally her own family was telling her what she wasn't enough of. Exactly. So if this is what we're contending with, if this is what we have to fight, our own families, white supremacy culture, all kinds of shit. The last stop on this destination tour is you. Mm. You mm. got to be the one to tell people. And how you choose to tell them is important. So again, not trying to dictate to my community what to say. I'm just trying to give you something to think about when you call yourself half or when you call yourself a quarter. Or when you lead with numbers. Or when you lead with numbers. Because for me, when when I encounter somebody who leads with numbers, a mixed person who's like, I'm 17% Irish and 14% Mm -hmm. South Asian, Indian, you know, whatever. Whatever the when they lead with numbers, it's I'm 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 with you, Charmaine. If it's if it's your thing and it makes you feel good and it works for you, fine. I don't do it. Here's why I don't do it. Okay, first of all, <laughs> I'm old, right. and then we didn't right. <laughs> had no numbers when I was growing up. I mean, no, no. I mean, really, there were no numbers. There were no DNA tests, at least not available to the public no. for these kinds of reasons. Um, but but beyond that, we're in. Especially, you know, I can I speak mostly from the United States or Western society or white supremacist, wherever it, white supremacist society, wherever it is and wherever it shows up, that any person of the global majority is already being encouraged, being um, analyzed, scrutinized, and encouraged mm-hmm. to divide to be divisiveness is already encouraged and it's and it's yes it's systemically it's systemically dominant okay so for like the the question that's often asked of people well are you this or are you that i'm i'm black and jewish are you this or are you that you can only be one da, da, da. 
we're, we're fortunately, you know, all praises to everybody moving past that slowly, gradually. We haven't made a lot of progress, but we're starting. Okay. My, my um, bias against using numbers myself is that it's not going to help you understand me more. Right. It's going to, I'm already confusing enough, right? I'm already confusing enough to people being ambiguous and, you know, for a lot of people, the way I speak conflicts with the way I look and everything else. So I, if I start throwing numbers at you, right, then I'm inviting you and encouraging you to divide me up and pit me against myself and potentially mm-hmm. against community or communities with which I identify and which I hold dear. Right. Okay. And you might, then identify me with the community that, like you said, is definitely part of my DNA and which I claim and honor, but I'm not part of that community, not in a real, tangible, everyday, cultural, social, political sense. Yeah. You know, so the numbers, I think, just wanting to, um, um, you know, encourage all of all of the mixed folks listening and all the people who interact with mixed folks, if you love us, um, to think consciously about numbers think about how you might be using them what does it do for your sense of self right because we don't have you know there there is no there is no preconceived um mathematical equation that you can just walk into yes i'm you know because i kind of see it like this like okay I'm walking down the street and it hits 12 o'clock and I'm like, Oh shit, that was my quota of blackness for the day. I guess, I guess I got to switch on over to Japanese. And then I go about, you know, the next quarter of my day, you know, to be Japanese right now. And that's just not how it is. Now, do I code switch throughout the day? Absolutely. Am I sometimes in community with black folks and then sometimes in community with a, and I'm going to say Asians because it's more broadly my experience in living in the States versus specifically Japanese. Um, you know, am I going to, am I going to have those kinds of times? Yeah, sure. Am I going to be lucky enough occasionally to be in the presence of black Asians? Yes. Sometimes that too. Uh, but then once, when I hit all the white people, I'm not one of them. I'm mixed with them, but I'm not one of them in the way that I get to be in the other spaces. And I'm saying get with quotation fingers around it, you know? So like, if I'm going to really percentage myself out, is that what happens? Do I hit a quota for the day? And it's like, sorry, you <laughs> are not black enough for the rest of this day. And no, like, that's not how, I mean, I know I'm making a joke, but like, honestly, like I'm trying to understand what do people mean when they tell me that I have to pick one? Because in the same way that like these arguments about all gender bathrooms or uh, going to the bathrooms of the gender you were assigned at birth, um, and then now people are melting down because they made these in laws and places. And then someone sees a fully bearded man come into the woman's bathroom and be like, well, I was born assigned female. So I have to be here. And they're like, I don't want someone who looks like that in a bathroom. Then the same way that they're experiencing this, like I've decided for you how you identify. And then mm-hmm. it backfires when they get into confronted with it in a way that they didn't expect to be confronted with it. Ours is a more subtle version of that is that you've decided for me how I get to identify, but then I roll up being something that you're not expecting me to, to present as, to be as, to whatever. And then you're like, 
Charmaine, I didn't understand you were mixed with black until I heard you say motherfucker. That's right. Which is literally something that someone has told me before that they didn't understand how black I was until they heard the way yes. I say motherfucker. So yes. like if I'm going to maneuver based off of what other people have decided for me, at some point I'm going to butt up against what they've decided for me and it's not going to be correct for them and it's going to impact me negatively. And yes. I'm not going to let myself give people the keys to my oppression you're gonna fight me for it or yes. you're going to leave yes. and these are your now these are now your options and there's always been a version of that for me i mean i'm not militantly mixed by accident this shit started a long time ago yes. um but the way that i discuss, discuss it now the way i fight now is a little bit different and you know all those all those kind of things so i just want to caution and this is another one of those this is good mixed auntie moment for yes, us because for babies. we are from different generations that are older than the kids that are identifying themselves mixed hella early and they have way more conversations about mixes early and stuff like that all of these things i'm both excited and proud of but also as an auntie concerned that what they're missing mm -hmm. in in choosing these descriptor descriptors mulatto half and half quarter whatever what they're missing is the historical Yes. knowledge of how we how those terms were used to oppress us and i don't want them to be accidentally giving up the keys to their oppression um so it's just something to think about you know like put into practice what you're going to put into for me sometimes i'm thinking about something for a long time and then somebody like teresa says something and it crystallizes in a way i'm like oh shit that's what i've been trying to get to all this time <laughs> and i'm hoping that this is what this does for some folks that are still calling themselves based off of their percentages um yes yeah because it's a data again we're in a data-driven world so that's the irony of us um cautioning against it and but you know i tell people look i'm the synthesis i'm the synthesis i'm the sum we're, you're not gonna break me off in little pieces and and try to um divide me against myself right not gonna work and that's not how that's not how mixedness works yeah Right. That's not how mixedness works. We are all the synthesis. And like you were saying, we're a synthesis of different things, including cultures that may or may not be reflected in our bloodlines, but that we either grow up in or are exposed to and vibe right. with. I mean, there are so many different moving parts to identities, not just mixed identities, but certainly mixed identities. Yeah. There are so many moving parts. Some people, mixed people, grow up with absolutely no access mm -hmm. to the groups that they're mixed with. Right. And I want to say that there's room for them to claim the cultures that they grew up in. Absolutely. Despite Absolutely. the fact that they don't ethnically have that. Yes. Um, you know, we transracial must. adoptees are a great example of this. These are mm -hmm. people who were through, without consent raised in a, in a family whose ethnicity is different from them, whose culture is different from them and, and has little to no exposure or at least no, um, even if they're even if their families attempt to expose them, there's still there's so much separation involved in how a white person mm -hmm. exposes a Korean adoptee to a Korean culture. Right. There's going to be right. layers of removal if those aren't your if your parents aren't the one giving you the culture. Um, so are they white? I mean, in cult culturally, you know, like are they, you know, like what they have access to, how they move sometimes is sometimes is and sometimes lot. how they think. And sometimes how they think, because why wouldn't they? You yeah. don't, 
just because there are things that are passed through your DNA and stuff like that does not mean that you automatically come with here are all the tools of maneuvering a space as a Korean adoptee and white people in Tennessee. Right. No, (laughs) you know, that's that's not going to be the case. That's a great example. Yeah. That's such a great example. And there are even people who are raised by their biologicals Mm -hmm. and for, for a whole plethora of reasons, many of which you regularly address on Militantly Mix. Um, it could be immigration. It could be, and it isn't always immigration in different countries, right? Mm-hmm. I grew up with a really good friend whose father was Black Cuban. Mother's Puerto Rican from Hawaii. Mm-hmm. We grew up in Seattle and I felt and still feel kind of sad for this friend and his siblings Because while they grew up in a place where there was a lot of mixing and a lot of Asian culture, back then, this is the 50s, 60s, 70s, y'all. In Seattle, there there was nothing and nobody that was Puerto Rican. I'm not saying there wasn't a Yeah, but there was no where my boarding was at. (laughs) Did not know nothing about no Puerto Ricans or Cubans. Mm -hmm. So technically, they're Afro-Latin on both sides with Asian influence mm-hmm. because the mother grew up in Hawaii. Hawaii yeah. So I, I always use that as a powerful example. And they grew up in Seattle mm-hmm. in the, you know, black, which was by definition mixed community. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But they're, yes. they're other than the blackness, but even the form of blackness that ran through their blood wasn't really reflected. Yeah. This was Cuban blackness. Right. Yeah, so I know lots different. of people like that, people whose families of various members of the global majority, various races, whose families emigrated, immigrated. And often when people immigrate, just like often when people swirl um, and mate, date and mate interracially, sometimes they're doing it to get away from mm-hmm, mm-hmm. their culture, race or ethnicity or nationality. Y'all. That is true. And that's not a slam. That's not a criticism. That's not a judgment. It's just real. It's just something that happens. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so there, you'd be like, how come you didn't pass on my will? I mean, my mom is a good example for that. My mom is my Japanese white parent. My dad is my black and white parent. My mom has an affinity for blackness and black culture. She exclusively only dated black people. Um, we were always in community with black folks. And my dad, being my black parent, tried to remove us a lot from black community. And so mm-hmm. I, as crazy as it fucking sounds, a lot of my blackness, a lot of my access to blackness comes through the community that my mother created. She is a yes. black hairstylist or she's a hairstylist that exclusively works on black hair. We were grew up in a black hair salon. I know more things about black hair than I know about my Asian textured hair. Shit yes. that I'm learning now at 45 years old, you know, um, about my own hair because I've been viewing my hair through the lens of a mixed black person and not necessarily also a mixed Asian person. Um, right. And I got access that way. My mother is the least Japanese of us. And yet, mm-hmm. if you call her white, she will fall the fuck apart and she'll be like, I'm Japanese, I'm Japanese. But she exposes herself so little to Japanese culture that most of my Japanese-ness I got from going to my grandma's house, which is why I say I'm weak in Japanese, because I would go mm-hmm. to grandma's house and that's how I got my Japanese-ness. Um, 
I did happen to live in a black neighborhood of Long Beach with my black dad. But again, my dad still tried to educate with quotation fingers on not being like the black people we grew up around. And you are not going to tell me that there's not value in these people that I grew up around. So we butted heads a lot because this was my community and you're not going to take that away from me. So I want people to think about their identity as full or more even, which I've, I've said many times, it's so crazy that we adopted the narrative and through adoption, through adoption, whatever. It's so crazy that they convinced us that we were less because we have multiple things in us and we're not quote enough of one or the other. It's so crazy that they think this way and that they gave it to us because we literally have more things in us. We have more cultures in us. We have more languages yes. in us. We have more access yes. to food. There's so many more things that make the tapestry of our lives potentially extremely rich. Yes. And we are, I, you know, like the reason why I like to ask the question, what do you love most about being mixed is because I want to see the things that force people to value why being mixed was such a benefit to them, even if, even as they've struggled in their life. And what I usually get from people has something to do with, I have more empathy for people that are different from me because I get to see people that are different from people all the time in my own family. Yes. I get to expose myself to multiple cultures and I can appreciate and participate in cultures that are not my, my own easily because I already know what it's like to have to go from culture to culture to culture to culture within my own family. And so I feel like what you miss when you call yourself a half a half or you call yourself a quarter or something like that, you're missing. You need to reprogram your brain, I think is what it is. You can easily reprogram the pathways in your brains by just changing the way you say things that will change the way you do things. And then you create a habit of it and then everything explodes and your whole brain just reroutes itself. And if I say, if I'm being told my whole life, being half of something is a negative, I'm going to view my mixedness as a negative. But if someone tells me you aren't half, you're more you're black and Japanese and British and, you know, American, like you, your family is all around the world. You're a person of the globe. Yes. Then I can be like, Oh shit, this is my planet. You know, like all of these places are my places and I have access to all of them. And over time I'm going to feel more comfortable in more spaces because I have more, I've granted myself permission to own my identity in a positive light and not a negative light. And so again, I am so proud of these recent TikTokers and these content creators that are starting to see this and own it. Cause yeah. a lot of them are younger within 10 to 15 years younger, if not, if not more so than myself. And I'm seeing them say, wait a second, what do you mean half? What do you mean less? Yes. I'm double the things you are. I'm triple the things you are. Yes. I have access to all these things. And that, yes. that, positive mentality which again i'm a i'm a pessimist as a person i am a skeptic i don't believe in shit usually but i do believe that when you start to see yourself as more not less and it, again that's not to say for you to run on the schoolyard and go up to a monoracial person and be like ha, 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 i'm more than you i yeah, mean no, no. it's not about that either it's not about that i mean it'd be hilarious and fair play but you know no, don't do that. <laughs> We're not but again, you. like, 
We're not telling you to do that. Uh, but again, like if you can view it through that positive way of being like, man, yes. this is the coolest shit about me is that I have a grandma that can make me sesame chicken. And then I got another grandmother that used to throw down on beans like crazy and collard greens. And then I got, you know, like you can say I have access to all these different yes. foods. I can, I can dress culturally in this participation of this festival and i can go and drink my red drink and eat you know all these red foods on juneteenth and i can do this and i can honor my ancestors throughout all of these different ways and um i mean yeah it makes us a little bit more busy throughout the year (laughs) life is complicated (laughs) we got more festivals we got more holidays and i can't imagine what it would be like to be an asian jewish person which of which i know a lot now shout out to the um lunar collective because collective, they're doing yes. a lot for asian yes. jewish folks right now but if yes. you count all the jewish holidays and all the various asian holidays from whatever your asian culture is yeah and you ain't working a day this you're year. good, you're good. <laughs> you're here's, my thought. Day. here's my thought that our our multiplicities can't be defined confined or constrained by numbers mm. okay our multiplicities cannot yes. be contained defined or constrained by numbers And that the world is going to always try to diminish and define and dominate us. Let's not do that to ourselves. Let's not do that to each other. Let's not be less. Let's not be a portion or a fraction. Let us, you know, celebrate our wholeness, however it shows up and in all the shifting and evolving ways it might change in different times and places. Mm -hmm. Because that's really what being your mixed ass self means to me. Right. Absolutely. I kind of feel like that was a great spot to end on. I mean, I'm sure we could talk about this for ever. (laughs) And it will be talked about forever on this show, probably. But um, we will be we will be we will be we will be fussing about such things forever. Fussing out of love, mm -hmm. fussing out of um, a passion for confronting the things that divide us and confronting the things that perpetuate the isms that we all need to be about dismantling. And don't get me wrong. I understand that all of us are in a different place within our identity and you have to go through the phases. And I think I kind of started to view the percentage phase or the percentage thing as a phase after talking to you that first time as well, because it's like, Mm. you know, it is a part of the journey. You can't help it. You're taught it. So it's a part of you identifying how you are going to align with your different ethnic groups and your different cultural things and stuff like that. It's just part of it. Mm-hmm. And it's okay that you're in that space at the time that you're in it, but to get out of it, to start to embrace yourself as a, as a full person, you know, a whole picture, yes. you do have to start thinking of yourself as more and not less as full and not half. I think it's, far healthier too. the way in which things have exploded for me within my identity as a person. Once I started to embrace myself as a full person and not a half quarter, I, you know, militantly mixed wouldn't exist if I was still questioning, do I get to be a full person? Uh, Do I have bad days? Sure. Do I have some days of feeling invalidated? Absolutely. Still happy. But that's okay, because I know that on the other side of that invalidation, I'm going to remember who I am. And the world is always conspiring to invalidate us and to teach us to invalidate ourselves. 
Yeah, for everything. I mean, like literally there will be everything. people that will tell a professional sports person to shut up and dribble because they're they're trying to talk about some injustice in the world and people are like, no, but you're a basketball player, only do basketball. Like right. literally the world is always trying to come at you for whatever the thing is. It doesn't matter. It can be your ethnicity, your access to culture. It could be you yep. identifying as a tall person versus a short person. Like there's so many ways in which somebody would be like, well, you're 5'10", not six foot, so you're not really tall. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like they yes. will find a way. They will always find a way. And so the yes. best defense against that is for you to own yourself a little bit stronger. And and you can still do that while you're trying to figure out who you are. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And figuring out who you are is an ongoing journey, y'all. It's not a destiny. That's your whole life. And I'll close on, I'll close my part on this is when I was a little kid, sixth grade, um, I got made fun of a lot for having big lips, but that's because I got made fun of that because I'm a yellow brown person who is clearly showing black features and it did not compute to the other kids. They didn't under, cause none of the black kids that were more obviously black than me got made fun of for having big lips. I got made fun of for having big lips. And then the worst thing happened my classroom got a fish and the fish had big old lips. <laughs> and so people started calling me fish lips because my, the lips on the fish that was in our classroom resembled in quotation fingers, mine. And so I would come home destroyed every day because I got equated to this fish. And it, I, I have memories of it. Like even now my heart is like starting to ache because I remember how uncomfortable and painful that was. And then my aunt tells me, laugh with them or make a joke about it, about yourself first. And she goes, and you don't have to believe the joke and it's going to suck. It's going to make you feel bad sometimes. But the second they can't make you feel bad, they'll stop. And I remember when I first started to do it, it was the worst painful thing. I fucking hated making fun of myself for this particular thing. I have a pretty self-deprecating sense of humor. My whole, I'm British, like it's going to happen. But it usually comes off funny though. It usually doesn't come off depressed. <laughs> but in this particular case, I really struggled with it at first. It was painful to put myself in that position. I was nervous that I was just giving them more ammo against me. But then when I started to laugh, when someone would make a joke, it took so much of the steam out and literally frustrated people because they couldn't hurt my feelings anymore. Yeah. All I did was mask the fact that my feelings were hurt. And this is not a great thing. I, I, I don't want people to experience this, but what it did teach me was, is that yes, the world is going to try to eat you alive. And when you stand up, it's going to, it's going to hit back again. But if you keep standing up, it'll eventually just lose steam and move on. And so then a different kid got made of fun of for a different thing after me. And I didn't have to deal with the fish lips thing anymore. And then by the time late middle school, early high school came around, my fish lips was a whole different thing. <laughs> <laughs> then my lips were coveted. Then people liked it. Uh, it was a whole different problem that I had to deal with. The, um, but I, I say that to say like the world is going to try to convince you you're not enough as a mixed person. But the second that you start fighting back, or even do it through humor. You're like, oh, oh, half yeah. and half. That's right. That's me just being half or something like that. And again, like the joke I made, oh, I hit my black quota for the day. I guess I'm Japanese now. When you start doing that, it'll take the steam away from them. 
it'll also make you both realize how stupid that was that they thought there's a quota on your time on your day on you as a person uh, how much access you have yes. and then once that's gone you can just be your mixed ass self so just do that <laughs> that being said it fucking hurts and it sucks and i understand that and i'm here with y'all <laughs> Absolutely. 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 And yes, to all the things, use humor, use clap back, snap back, dozens, whatever. Because sometimes you just have to. Sometimes you just got to give it back. Yeah. 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 And sometimes a bully will never listen to you. And so, yeah, you make fun of me for my big luscious lips. I'm gonna make fun of you for your thin little bologna pieces that you got sliced against your face. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes that is what ends up having to happen. Um, and you know, it sucks, but that, that is a thing. What's important at the end of the day is how you walk away feeling about yourself, you know? Yes. And for finding your own ways, cause there's no right or wrong way. Right. Absolutely. To embrace and express your totality. That's being your mixed asset. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. If you don't claim one or the other, like that's oh, okay. Absolutely. You don't have absolutely. to. I mean, like, literally, what am I going to look like walking into a fucking Appalachian <laughs> thing and being like, I'm one of y'all. I don't know shit, but I'm but here, you, you know. But if you wanted to, you could. I mean, But so if I wanted to, I could. But there's no wrong way, y'all. There's no wrong way. Just with the numbers, know that, that you are and your journey are more than num- a numbers game. Yes, absolutely. I agree. Uh, so before we get out of here, just one more reminder that we did reopen the Be Your Mixed Ass Self anthology submissions. We have received one since we reopened it. So that was pretty quick. So get those in. If you've been, you know, thinking about it, you wanted to do it, you kind of wrote something. Now's your time. You got, you got time to do it. You can head on over to militantlymix.com and click on the Be Your Mixed Ass Self anthology tab. All the guidelines are there. The pay your submission fee is there. And also if you want to donate rather than submit or both, you can also do that on that page as well. Yes. Please support us because this is an important anthology. This is an anthology. So one of the reasons, you know, that this is that we're excited about it is, as we know, in the last few years, it's only the last few years, mixedness is suddenly an ongoing public topic. Mm-hmm. It's being, you know, talked about and everything. And finally, mixed voices are starting to take a leadership role. But for the most part, it's been monoracial people talking about and or at us. Mm-hmm. Um, and often uh, policing us out of the conversations about us, or there um, have been mi- different mixed voices, but you still you still have something to say that you're not hearing or seeing anywhere else. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what this anthology is for. You do not have to be a professional writer. We're mm-hmm. going to be editing. We're going to be editing with compassion, love, and grace. We're going. We're, everything will look good. That's the whole point of writing. I'm a professional writer. Everything gets edited, y'all. Nothing is perfect when it's turned in, but we want we want um, original, non-published, uh, non-fiction essays and poems. Mm-hmm. So dash something off, get it to us by June 30th, and help elevate and amplify the real mixed voices of today in this very special way. Thank you. Yes, yes. I'm excited about it. I, it's something I've thought about for so long, and 
I knew I was going to have to learn how to do it. And with your help, I'm learning how to do it. Yes. Um, so I hope that this is something that we can give to the community, you know, every year from now on, but just going through this process and, and reading what people have submitted and we've gotten, you know, black, white, biracials, Asian, Jewish folks, all kinds of Latino, stuff. like we've gotten people from all different groups. So it's, it's, it's not just one picture of mixedness that you're going to be experiencing. It's wild. It's wild. Cause like, there's a lot of similarities between us, but there is a lot of different experiences that we have. And this will expose all of us to what our community as mixed people go through. So, you know, I'm, I'm just really looking forward to being able to share that with the world. When this airs, this will officially be the half la next half of the multiracial heritage week. Uh, we've got loving day on the day that this drops. Uh, we've got Juneteenth coming up. We're in pride month you know, find your community, have some community time. That's, yep. Yeah, that's, it's a bit, it's a busy ass month. <laughs> <laughs> it's a busy ass month for, uh, for black, brown, mixed and queer folks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. All right, y'all don't forget to be your mixed essence. Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Fury. Music is by David Bogan, the one. You can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed. If you'd like to become a sponsor of Militantly Mixed, please go to patreon.com slash militantly mixed for monthly sponsorship or paypal.me slash militantly mixed for a one-time only donation. And if you like what you hear on Militantly Mixed, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to be your mixed-ass self. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.